Hey guys, Cody here just reminding you that the best wrestlers in the world are coming to Iowa for the UWW World Cup at Extreme Arena in Coralville this December 10th and 11th. This one-of-a-kind dual-style competition features the world's very best men's and women's freestyle wrestlers repping their home countries and going head-to-head to decide who is the best wrestling country on the planet. You'll get to see Team USA's biggest wrestling stars like Jordan Burroughs, Kyle Snyder, Tamara Mensah-Stock, Helen Naroulis, so many more. There's no better time than now to be a USA wrestling fan, and there's no better time than now to get your tickets. Be sure to go to worldcupcoralville.com. I put links in the show notes so that you guys can get all the information you need. You're not going to want to miss this. One more time, get your tickets at worldcupcoralville.com. Number one, obviously, all glory to God. And then there's a campus, the most efficient organization on the planet. I'm going to put a plug in because we're in the damn state of Iowa. Bobby Telfer, I'm the baddest man on the planet. Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome to In the Room, a wrestling podcast from the Des Moines Register. I'm Cody Goodwin, the Register's wrestling writer, and I'm glad you're here for the first time on YouTube, following the trends of literally every other successful podcast by offering a YouTube option now. Big thanks to our buddy, Dargan Southern, for helping us on the back end of this experiment. We've seen some success doing this with our Hawk Central podcast, led by Kennington Smith and Chad Leistico. So the bosses have asked that we do the same thing here with our wrestling podcast. Going to try and do this once a week um, because those of you who have listened over the last three years know that I don't always have guests. Sometimes it's just me and whatever, um, you know, press conference audio that I can gather over the course of the week. But, um, you know, maybe this will allow us to be a little bit more consistent on that front in terms of gathering guests. And so joining me today, our guest, our YouTube guinea pig, Austin Summer, EIWA Intermat correspondent. Austin, what's up, my man? Doing good, Cody. Long time no see. Last time I saw you in person, we were at Nationals together, sitting next to each other at the finals. That was, NCAA, uh, so yeah, man. That is, um, so it's exciting to uh, finally get back here and, and talk some wrestling. Um, the 22-23 season underway. Going to dive into a few different things today. Uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday, November 23rd. Wanted to pick uh, your brain, Austin, about the NWCA All-Star Classic, just kind of real brief, um, which made its valiant return last night in Texas. Also going to preview the upcoming Iowa Penn Duel set for Saturday afternoon at Carver Hawkeye Arena. But first, it's Thanksgiving week. Austin, I'm putting you on the spot. I okay. need to know your biggest food hot take. Uh, what What is it? What do we got? Biggest food hot take. I don't know if it's a hot take or not, but I'm definitely not a cranberry sauce, cranberry jam guy. Ooh. Like the one thing I probably will pass on. You know, I, I prefer the the other sides, but cranberry just not not my thing. I'm not a picky eater at all. It's just one of those things I'm just not a fan of. I don't know if it's a hot take or not, but that's that's my hot take, maybe. I don't know. That's okay, because I feel like cranberry, like cranberry sauce or whatever the case like I don't know, whatever your cranberry side is, like mm-hmm. it shines more on Thanksgiving. And so yeah. I, I'll, I'll count that, you know, because like and when else are you going to eat cranberry, right? And the big debate is, is people, I don't know about you out in the Midwest, on the East, it's, you know, people like it from the can, people like it homemade. And there's a big debate between those two. Got to have just, the ridges. Got to yeah, have the ridges. I'm out, I'm out of that. Debate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so my biggest food hot take, um, and I'm curious what, what you probably think of this. I think turkey sucks. I don't like it. I don't like that it's 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 dry. It's flavorless. I don't think it should be the featured meat or featured protein on a holiday that is centered around food, at least commercially. Mm-hmm. Um, 
not a fan, not a fan of Turkey. Haven't been a fan of Turkey for a while. I've been banging this drum. I'm going to continue to bang this drum. It's that time of the year. Yeah. Maybe you, uh, you eat too much and you get the sleepy, the sleepiness from the, whatever chemicals in there. Uh, <laughs> diet, right. But, uh, no, that, that's not a hot take at all. I, I've seen people prefer ham. Um, you know, I see people do chicken and stuff too, and you know, whatever else, but yeah, I, I, that's not too much of a hot take in my opinion. I've, I've, heard people complain they don't like turkey for the reasons you mentioned you know dry not seasoned but you know i don't have it too often so i'm okay with it thanksgiving you know it's not too bad for me i so iowa out here a bunch of farm communities there's a lot of people that'll do like uh beef tenderloins or they'll mm. smoke a brisket if they yeah. if they don't like the bird of choice um yeah. and those are my kind of people like i i want some beef i want something good rather than turkey because like if we're gonna like smoke a bird for a primary meal i would want it to be chicken you know like the more popular one like no, there's no like there's no like turk filet you know like it's chicken yeah. filet. yeah turkey is probably the least appetizing of like the main meat categories i i agree with you yeah it's just i guess it's just a traditional thing at this point right i i i guess i don't know like that's what my family's not going to have that tradition if if i can help it so i guess <laughs> we'll we'll see we'll see um we're here to talk some wrestling nwca all-star classic um made its valiant return last night um wanted to kind of get your thoughts just generally speaking kind of cool that it's back right like just the event itself it's it you know i i think i refer to it as an early season exhibition because it's not really preseason. um but just like to line up that much talent on the mat together in one setting and one duel like that was fun, right? Like, they, I know you probably didn't follow it as probably as close as as, as some others, but um, I, what were your initial thoughts when they, when you know Flow and NWCA announced that it was coming back? I mean, obviously, like you said, I mean, not going on a limb here by any means, but yeah, it was awesome to be back, right? Um, have you know one, the top two, top three, you know, guys in the weight class competing against each other just to see where they're at right now, you know, just see what they look like. Um, you can kind of tell just from the like I said, I didn't get to watch it unfortunately yet, but um, I, from what I've heard and some of the highlights I've seen, I saw people you could probably kind of tell it was their first match of the year. Um, I don't know if it's the weight cut thing or um, you know first match jitters or just being on the big stage again. Um, but yeah, I, I, from what I've noticed and kind of highlights I've seen, it was a little maybe some wrestlers were a little hesitant, nervous maybe. I'm not sure, but you know maybe that's just a few of them that I saw uh, highlights of. But um, yeah, I mean going back at you, what what were your thoughts on that? I thought it was um, like it's it's like an inconsequential match, right? Like just kind of go out there and let it fly. And I felt like we saw a little bit of that, yeah. um, you know, most notably at 49, right? Gomez storming back to beat Sammy Sasso. That was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Keegan O'Toole opening up a can on Dean Hamity, um, you know, but then like we I mean, we also saw some really, you know, like Rocky Elam scoring three takedowns to be Jacob Warner. Um, and that was, you know, the third one came in overtime after Warner stormed back. Um, Kirk Fleet and Cassiope just let it fly like that yeah. was fun mm -hmm. yeah it was nice to see some of the um some of the women matches involved there too oh that, that was so coming, cool for them that's right coming up, that's coming on the national spotlight a little more so to highlight some of those you know women in the in the in the college rankings is is fun to see as well too just to kind of get some names out there and you know just to see who's up and coming yeah, and it was a mix of like NCAA women's wrestlers and NAI women's wrestlers because there's you know they got those two things going on. Yeah. Um, NAI women's wrestling officially a championship sport now. NCAA working its way there, um, you know. And on the women's side, it was really cool because you know you had Emily Shilson against Peyton Prussian, 
Um, you know, Shilson bumping up a little bit in weight to and ultimately winning that match 4-4 on criteria. Um, Adugo Nwachiku, who's the superstar from Iowa Westland, bumping up in weight and taking out Alara Boyd. That was really cool to see. Yeah. Um, you know, and along those same lines, the one EIWA guy involved, Quincy Monday um, from Princeton, um, sort of bumping up or, you know, I, I, I don't, maybe not the exact same thing because he was, I think he was hovering around 65, but Russell David Carr, who's full fledged 165 pounder, Quincy on his way down to 157, um, rekindling the Car Monday thing, right? Like that was, you know, it was low scoring, but just like the fact that that match happened at all was just a really, really cool thing, I thought, for the sport of wrestling. Yeah, just in the storyline in general, right? Just being the dads, being, you know, wrestling back in the day and, you know, just being superstar athletes in current day, you know, the, the kids are and returning national final uh, champ is car from two years ago. Right. And returning national finalists and Quincy Monday. So, you know, they're high end competitors, obviously. And it's just a weird match because Monday was supposed to be 165 and kind of changed his mind right before the season started. Um, I guess he couldn't get up enough weight to cut down to 65 and be an effective size. Um, so he decided to say 157. And I think you said he weighed in 163 or something, but I mean, car is a, like you said full size 165 so slight size advantage to car there but you know it was a good match wish i would have seen a, a takedown from either one of them if i'm being honest but you know just the way sometimes it happens you know two one you know whatever but again i'd like i just love to see takedowns and matches yeah I, I, it's hard to it's hard for me to say oh yeah he won on a riding time point yeah it just doesn't jive it's with a me weird really thing to explain to people right like yeah it's, it's weird. like yeah he won two one because he rode him for more than a minute like yeah <laughs> yeah, it, it, people were just like oh he didn't get a takedown the people that don't know sport he didn't get a takedown and it's like no but you can still win without it and it's like it, it i don't know i don't want to say it's bad for the sport but it i think getting a takedown is you know obviously way more entertaining for the average fan and you know just for fans like me it's like i want to see a takedown you know uh, this writing time stuff it's not for me but you know some people like it I don't, I don't know i'm probably on the fence on that but that's just me yeah no, I'm with you. And, you know, that match specific, like 2-1 was the final score, did not lack for action. Like both mm -hmm. guys were, you know, trying to set some things up and, and creating, you know, shot, reshot, action, reaction. Um, their dads were both there and Flo had cameras on both Kenny and, and Nate. And they were, you know, they were kind of wrestling with their sons, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, you know, they talked plenty about that during the match. Yeah, I think the, you know... It's not like Quincy was significantly smaller, but you could definitely tell there in the third period as David kind of put the saddle on him for the ride. He finished with, I think, a minute 16 of riding time, and that was the that gave him the deciding point. That's when that's when you could really tell that, okay, David's got a little bit of size on Quincy here. You could tell that Quincy's probably going to be a pretty big 57-pounder once he gets down to weight. you know. But otherwise, like, you know, Quincy stayed in there and battled, man. Like there were a lot of, I encourage you to go back and rewatch it. It was, you know, he had some good hand fights. There was some good action there. He just, neither of them were able to connect when in neutral, um, you know, and David, who's just, he's gotten a lot better at his top wrestling over the last few years. And, you know, that combined with the, the slight size advantage was really the difference in the match. Yeah. It's, like I said, I didn't see the whole match, but I saw some highlights. And like you said, they were going at it. They were kind of wrestling. They didn't just stand around, you know, it wasn't a super boring two to one match from, from my gathering, but you said these guys were going at it and it, yeah, it's an exciting two to one match. And I think maybe the pace a little bit, just, you know, in, in addition to the weight advantage for car might've been the advantage kind of piggybacking off what you said. I think by the time the third period rolled around, um, you know, if they were same weight, it might've been a little different. I don't know, but you know, just an all-star event. Glad they took, they got together and you know, I'm, I'm glad Princeton was involved in that too, just because, you know, their program on the rise, obviously um, last time I was on your podcast, we talked about the Princeton Iowa match, you know, so, 
you know, I was not Iowa. Princeton is, you know, on those one of those up and up teams coming up here in the IWA. Heck yeah, man. Two NCAA finalists last year. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned that specifically because I feel like Penn, just with what they've been able to do on the recruiting trail and, you know, the Penn RTC and what that's been able to do, you know, what that's been doing for their program, right? With guys like Mark Hall and Jordan Burroughs and, you know, all sorts of talented wrestlers that are in that room now. You okay. know, that's another team that, you know, people not just around the IWA, but really all over the country, like, hey, like, what's, what's, be a good little entryway into, you know, this Iowa Penn breakdown, this duel coming up on Saturday, 2 p.m. Central Time at Carver. Um, this is Penn's first duel of the season. They've been at a couple of tournaments already. Um, but what's the overall vibe check on on the Quakers coming into this weekend, man? I mean, I, I talked to some of the people on staff uh, last weekend at Keystone. They were excited for the match. Um, obviously, you know, going to Carver Hawkeye, you know, not many people get to do that. If you're, if you're not wrestling for Iowa, right? Um, but, yeah, I think they have a little bit of a young team, but they're experienced. You know, they had that COVID year off, had some guys jump up a few weight classes, hit the weight rooms hard. Um, last year they actually were runner-up at EIWAs, which was surprising to a lot of people because it's usually Cornell and then, you know, between Lehigh and Princeton, them two battling out. But for Penn to come up and almost – they were neck and neck with Cornell until the very end, you know, until the finals there. So, um I don't think they have quite the firepower Cornell has, but they're pretty solid up and down the lineup. And I, I they're thinking they're going to win four or five, maybe even squeak out a six win at Carver Hawkeye, which I think would be really impressive. That would, hey, six wins individually might win in the duel, right? Most um, likely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And there, you know, you look at the, you know, the probable lineups, at least that I got, um, you know, maybe you got something different. I mean, Penn's coming in with seven, seven ranked dudes. Um, four of them are in the top 20 at their respective weights. Like this is not, you know, this ain't some pud cupcake team that Iowa maybe has been wrestling the first few, you know, duels of the season. They're 4-0 with four lopsided wins, but, you know, Buffalo, Sacred Heart, Army, Army's tough. Um, you know, Iowa actually had to rally to win that one after falling behind the first three weights, you know, but then California Baptist, um, you know, not quite on the, you know, I guess I would consider Penn maybe a step up in competition for the Hawkeyes just based on what they've seen so far. Yeah. And like you said, it's the holiday weekend, right? Thanksgiving's coming up, you know, who knows how, what the weight cut's going to be like for some of these guys. And, um, first one hour weighing for Penn, you know, that could be a difference, um, too. Cause like I said, they haven't had a dual meet yet. So, um, just, you know, that one hour weigh in is way different going into Carver Hawkeye, you got the jitters, you got nerves there. Um, you know, so, you know, we could see a really good Penn team. We could see a team that could, you know, be a little scared, hesitant, you know, whatever the word you want to use is there. But I'm hoping we see the Penn team that's capable because they're super talented. They like to attack. They like to score. Um, they kind of challenge each other with bonus points and, you know, getting as many takedowns as possible. And you know, it, we could be in for a good match here. I'm excited for it. Absolutely. Yeah. Vibe check on Iowa. They've, you know, mostly, I mean, they mostly just kind of taking care of business, right? Like this is a season where, you know, patience is kind of the word at least through the first couple of months here um they're not going to have probably their their full superstar lineup that they're expecting to have come march um they haven't had it all month it doesn't look like they're going to have it on saturday um who knows if they'll have it the next uh you know next weekend when they wrestle iowa state at carver um you know which i think adds to the intrigue a little bit of this duel right because you know let's right from the top no spencer at 125 that's that opens up an opportunity right for a guy like ryan miller to wrestle a guy like Aiden Harris, who, you know, Harris has been struggling at 125 uh, for a number of different reasons. That's a weight where it's like, okay, if you're Penn, you're circling that, you're highlighting it, whatever. Like, 
you score some bonus points there. And especially if the duel starts at 25, like you could take the wind out of that, you know, Carver crowd pretty quickly. Um, you know, and then what do you do from there? Right. Because, you know, you're probably favored at 33. You're probably favored at um, 57, even though, you know, we'll come back to that weight here in a bit. Um, you know, 49, a little bit of a toss up. Like, you know, where can you win those matches to, you know, create a little bit of a snowball if you're Penn? Um, and if you're Iowa, you know, how good your depth. Right. Like that's that's that'll be a fun question here at a handful of different weights. Um you know, I guess like if we're continuing down the line here, one one big question from you, Austin, if, if you wanted one big question answered from from Penn this weekend, what, what would that question be? Yeah, I mean, I just want to see, you know, they have all these they have the the marketability, right? They're, they're heavy on social media. Hey, look at us. We, we're doing all this stuff. Um, I think it's time for them to get that kind of big win. Um, you know, they wrestled Penn State at Penn last season, beginning of the year. I think they won the first four matches and then lost the next six, something like that. You know, so they kind of had Penn State, who's been obviously the best team in the country. I know your Iowa fans probably hate hearing that, but you know, <laughs> Penn State has been the top dog for the last decade now. Um, and to, for them, for them to kind of keep them on the ropes last year until the very end, it was a good sign for Penn. And this is before we actually knew how good Penn was because this was December of last season. Um, so it'd be nice to have them get a full team effort in here and, you know, see if they could beat down, I beat Iowa at Iowa, which would be, like I said, when's the last time that's been done, especially by a non big 10 opponent too. I'm sure it's been a while, but yeah, you know, it'd be interesting to see if they're up for this challenge. Yeah, no doubt. I think the, the one big question I think I have for Iowa is like, you know, how good is your depth, right? We kind of touched on it a little bit there, but you know, we're going to see, um, you know, Colin Shriver at 33, he, him and Brody Teske seem to be the two guys here. Um, tough matchup at 33 with Michael Kolioko, right? Top 10 in the country. Um, how good is your depth, Iowa? I, I'm of the belief that both, you know, Colin and, and Teske are guys that can probably make some noise and score some points come March. Um, wrestling a guy like Kolioko is going to show us, you know, how many points are you going to score, right? Like, where are you at with a guy who's probably a dark horse All-American candidate at this weight? Um, same thing with um, you know, 157, which we'll, you know, we'll touch on a little bit more depth here. Kobe Siebrecht seems to be the guy at 57 for Iowa, or at least the answer right now. Um, Anthony Artelona, very, very good. Top 12 in the country. Um, how good are you, Kobe Siebrecht? Right. That's not really a depth question. I think that's more of a, you know, let's, let's see, you know, if, if Tom thinks you're the guy, let's, let's see you prove it a little bit. Um, but then, you know, 174, um, Nick Contrera, top 25 guy, um, Iowa uh, right now doesn't have either Nelson Brands or Brendan Swafford. Um, looks like it's going to be one of two freshmen, Drake Rhodes or, or Carson Martinson, both guys that have gotten a match already this season. Um, how good are you? It's a fun little test for the freshmen, right? Um, and then, you know, same thing as we've seen from the last few weeks. You know, if, if you're if you're an Iowa superstar and you're favored to win, go take care of business, right? Like this, you know, like it would, it, it would be really interesting and, and fun for the entire wrestling community maybe outside of Iowa city, if Penn comes in and makes this super, super interesting, um, you know, but you know, if you're Iowa, you know, Patrick Kennedy, like you're favored in this match, go take care of business. Abe Asad, you are favored in this match. Go take care of business. Same thing with Jacob Warner and Tony Cassiope. I know you just lost to two high level guys on Tuesday, go take care of business, you know, like that's that sort of thing. So, you know, as long as those guys do, I guess what they're supposed to do, very intrigued to kind of see like what Iowa's depth has, you know, against, you know, not just a team that, um, you know, according to Intermat's dual mat rank, dual meet rankings, you know, top 15 in the country, but also, you know, a program that's very clearly up and coming. And there's a lot of good things that are happening out there. Yeah. You mentioned um, the 157 match, you know, we have 
I don't, we should probably touch on it now, but Penn, they kind of swapped their middle weight classes right there, right? Last year, Doug Zaff was 157. Now he's down to 149. Artelona was around at 12 a few years ago at 149. Um, and he was 149 last year. So that he's at 157 now. Um, and he's 7-0 and in the year, Artelona at 157. Pretty good. Um, like you said, ranked top 12 in the country. But um, he hasn't really faced anyone ranked this year yet. So... Um, not saying he hasn't had any quality opponents he's had. He's had some tight matches, which is kind of his his thing. His matches are pretty tend to be pretty close. But when he can open it up and score some bonus, you know, he's tough. But I want to see this match here for him at 157 just to see him get that one-hour way in, you know, get to Carver Hawkeye and just see what he can do at 157. Obviously, same with Zaff is I think that's the match of the night. Um, we'll be probably get into that later. But, yeah, I mean, he's a top-10 dude, you know, beat a few – uh, rank guys this year and he's been looking good down a weight class um, but again it comes down to one hour weigh-in thing you know she's down a weight class from last year one hour weigh-in is going to be is a whole lot different than two hours as you and i both know and going into carver hawkeye totally different environment you know so um i keep i keep pointing on uh, you know saying that part but you know i, I think that's pretty important to, to touch on is carver hawkeye is a whole different animal yeah, hundred um, percent. I mean, we can jump right into that now. The, the two matches I think you and I are both really excited to watch: one forty nine and one fifty seven. At one forty nine, Iowa's Max Murin, Doug Zapp from Penn. One fifty seven, Kobe Siebrecht. We we presume Caleb Caleb Rachi was also listed on the probables against Anthony Artelona from Penn. Um, let's start at forty nine, man. Actually, before we dive into those, I'm curious: why did they switch weights? <sighs> I wasn't told reason why, but just reading between the lines, Artelona has some injuries in the past few years. Um, make that weight cut on top mm. of, I think he's going to be some kind of like mechanical engineering or something, you know, Penn Ivy League kind of smart guys, obviously, right? So, very, very smart guys. Yeah, I think his class load this first semester is pretty heavy. So it's like, hey, let's just move up a weight, you know, take care of that, um, get your academics in order, and then second semester – he's almost pretty much done with wrestling. So he could just focus, oh, sorry, almost done with school. So he can just pretty much focus on wrestling there. And Zaff was a 106 pounder, well, I don't know, five, six years ago at Pennsylvania States. Um, so he kind of built up into that 57 pound weight class um, after qualifying at 133 and 141 a few years ago. Um, so I think he's more of a naturally 49 pounder. I think it's a good switch for the team overall. Um, just again, with Artelona's injuries going up a weight class, you know, just focus on wrestling, not, so much weight cutting and Zaff, he's just a goer, man. He'll, he'll do, you tell him jump, he says how high, and he's going to jump as high as he could. You know, he's one of those guys you want on the mat on your team. He's a great leader too. Um, interesting to see both these guys. Yeah. How, from what you've seen so far from them, how have they adjusted to, to the weight switch? I mean, obviously, you know, undefeated Artelona seven and no Doug Zapp six and one so far, like clearly things are working out, but just like, you know, from what you've seen in terms of just the way that they've competed and the way they've wrestled, like what, what, Seems like it's working, right? But what have you seen? Yeah, Zaff is – he's right there, man. He beat Caleb Henson from Virginia Tech in a tight overtime match last weekend. Um, as you know, Henson beat Sasso the first week of the season. Very weird weight. There's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> a fun weight to watch. Um, technically, he beat Kyle Parco of Arizona State. That was injury default, though. You know, But he was in the match. I think he was about to score a takedown to tie it up or pull within one. You know, So he's right there with those guys. Um, like I said, Arnolona – not super tested this year by guys in the rankings, but, you know, he's had some close matches to some quality opponents and kind of just finds a way to win. You know, he just seems like 
I, it sounds bad to say, but it doesn't look like he has a lot of fun out there because he's just so <laughs> lackadaisical sometimes. That's probably the bad word to use, I know. But <laughs> he just kind of hangs out and then boom, hits a shot, and the kid ends up on his back. You know, so he, he's fun to watch too. It's a little bit slower pace than Zaf. Um, Zaf is a go, go, go kind of guy, um, which I think will be good with him and Yorn in Carver Hawkeye. It'll be a good match. But Artelona likes to sit back, relax a little bit, wait for his chance. Um, kind of slows down the match a little bit, but you know he'll throw a headlock on you. He'll hit some throws. Um, so it, it, he's exciting to watch as well. You know, yeah, good, good, good guys to have there. Hundred um, percent. Quick research says that this will actually be Anthony Artelona's first ever match against a Hawkeye wrestler. Um, Wow. So that's that's super interesting. And yeah. for uh, for Doug Zaff, this will actually be his fourth. You ready for this? He has wrestled in his career um, Austin DeSanto, um, Max Murin, and Caleb Young. So he yeah. lost to DeSanto at the Midlands. He lost to Young at the NCAA Championships last year. Um, but he beat Max Murin at the Midlands. I guess that would have been the year sandwiched between them. Um, so now Zaff and Mirren are going to go at it again. I like, so I really like this matchup because Zap is like, kind of like you said, like he's a goer, um, maybe more of a natural fit at 49. Max is a pretty big 49, pretty strong. Um, and I'm excited because I kind of like what you were saying, like this will be Max's real, like first true test. I think of the season um, he's looked really good so far. You know, he's put up, I, I, I think I, I forgot if I wrote this stat down or if I, maybe spoke it into a previous podcast. The guys put up 75 match points like through his first four matches, which is we've never seen that from Max Mirren before. Mm -hmm. Um, Things are clearly clicking. We got to talk to him earlier today about how he's just, he's trying to embrace the fact that it's, it's his last season at Iowa and just trying to let everything fly. But um, you know, hasn't rustled the toughest schedule. Like I said, Um, you know, he's four and O this year, Buffalo, um, you know, Caleb Burgess, Matt Laurie from Sacred Heart, Matthew Williams from Army, Chaz Hallmark from Cal Baptist, like, you know, 16, 20, 15, 24 points. Um, I don't think Zap's going to let him do that. So it's, you know, one, you know, can he keep the offense rolling or, you know, when Zap is still coming at him in third period, you know, that's Max is really good about that as well. You know, he's a hard nose, going to lead with his head type of wrestler. Um, you know, that'll be kind of interesting to see from both sides there. Like, can you know, when you get to the third period and I'm presuming this is probably going to be still be a pretty close match in the third period, who still has it? Who's got that gas tank? Who is still, you know, firing on maybe not all cylinders at that point, but more cylinders than not. Right. I think that's, that's, that's what's going to make that match among other things, super intriguing. Um, you know, cause Max is, Max is very fundamental. He's going to stay in his stance. He's not going to do anything crazy. He's going to mm-hmm. take calculated risks, um, you know, which against a guy like Zap, like that's, you know, can you convert, right? Like, can you convert? And if you convert early, you know, what does that mean? How does that set the tone for the rest of the match? There's, there's a lot to like about this particular matchup. Cause it, it's going to have the feel of like a blood round match. I feel mm-hmm. like, because these are yeah. two guys that are probably going to be there come March. Right. Yeah. I was just, I was just going to say that it's more of a kind of a, maybe round of 16 might be early, probably close to a blood round or even all American round matches between these two. Um, just kind of go back on your point before um, with, Mirren not getting pushed so much this year. I think that could be, if we're just looking at that angle, that's a huge advantage for Zaff, right? Because he's, you know, he's beaten uh, Caleb Henson down to the wire in overtime. He was in there with Parco in a close match, just lost to Jonathan Milner, you know, two-time All-American from App State. 
Um, and he was in that match till the end. I think it was a five, three, five, two score. Um, you know, so he has that feel this season already of needing to go late in the match. Muren, not so much. Um, but again, he's Iowa top, you know, top rank, one of the top ranked guys there. Um, you know, so it might not be a thing for Muren, might not be an issue, but you know, if you're looking at just that angle of it, I think Zaf definitely has that advantage over Muren. Yeah. Well, and then also, you know, Zap's a goer. How does yeah. he handle that with the Carver crowd? Because the yeah. Carver, you know, there's we, there's that, you know, getting Carvered, right? Yeah. You know, like yeah. how do you handle the fact that you're going to have, you know, 8, 10, 12,000 people booing you over the course of the match? Not that, you know, like it's, you're a former athlete. Like athletes will say like, oh no, you tune it out. You you focus on that. Like, no, that sometimes that stuff can get to you sometimes well, if yeah, you're not sure. like ready for it or know what to expect, right? Yeah. I mean, advantage for Penn though is having Mark Hall on staff you know we all know what happened when he came out of his he got his red shirt pulled and he lost to I forget who it was but opponent that probably he shouldn't have lost to right I don't know that Mark Hall ever won a match at Carver which is crazy because he won literally everywhere else yeah so if there's a coach that you want your corner to give you a little pep talk before that match at Carver Hawkeye I mean who better than Mark Hall right because like you said I don't think he's ever won there that's that's a good point but yeah yeah, he had a what his red shirt was pulled and he lost to Alex Meyer, who was an all American. Um, you know, and then that thrilling match against Michael Kemmer, mm-hmm. um, you know, when Iowa rallied to beat Penn State, that was that was before COVID shut down the the postseason. Yeah, yep. So yeah, no, I mean I yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Like Mark Hall's probably gonna have those dudes ready. Um 49, 57, I think is super interesting. Um Obviously, you got Artelona, who's who's wrestling very, very well. He's got some really nice wins to start the year. Um, you know, pinned uh, Antrell Taylor, who I think very, very highly of, pinned him very quickly. But then he also got a win over Jacob Butler from Oklahoma. Um, really nice stuff there. Um, he seems to, kind of like what you said, very um, maybe a little bit more of a natural fit at 57, just focus more on wrestling than, than trying to worry about cutting weight. This is an interesting weight for Iowa because Kobe Siebrecht um, – local Lisbon boy from right down the road. Um, he's a funky guy. Um, I don't know that he's like fully filled out at like 157, but mm-hmm. I mean, the guy's gritty. Um, he, he will, he, he will go attack. He's pretty good, underratedly pretty good on top. So I'm kind of curious to see how, how that portion of the match goes. Um, you know, if he's able to keep a guy like Artelona down. Um, but this is, you know, he had a test against armies, um, Nathan Lucas, um, passed it with flying colors, 8-0 major decision last week. Um, but this is kind of like, okay, like Kobe got the nod from Tom or he got it, you know, I guess he got Tom's blessing as like, Hey, like this is your spot until you screw it up. Um, against Anthony Artelona is kind of the first, like, you know, okay. Like how good are you really, bro? Because yeah. Artelona is a guy that that has been there. I'm not sure that he has gotten on the podium, but he's been to the blood round twice, right? Yeah, yeah um, that's correct. So that's a guy that's gone to the big dance in March. He has scored points at the big dance. Um, it, it just, I think from that standpoint, it's just super interesting to kind of see, you know, okay, like what does Iowa really have in Kobe Seabrecht? I think that's what intrigues me the most about this matchup. Yeah, and um, like you said, and kind of like I said before, Artelona just kind of finds a way to win. You know, like I keep repeating – didn't get tested so much, but he was in overtime last weekend at the Keystone Classic in the finals against Peter Pappas of George Mason. Um, quality wrestler, you know, not not ranked or anything that I know of. And if he is, he's low 30s. But um, they were in overtime. I thought Pappas had him done the rights with a leg up in the air. 
ended up in a scramble and Ardolano came out on top of it. You know, so he, like I said, just finds a way to win, likes to scramble, likes to be in there and just likes these tough matches and just comes away, usually finds a way on top of them. Um, yeah, so he's fun to watch. And I, like I said, I think it'll be match, you know, 1A of, you know, the favorites coming in. I think Zap 49 is the match of the night. I think this will be a close second. Yeah. How does Artelona handle um, not super funky wrestlers, but slightly funky wrestlers? Because that's kind of what I would call Kobe Seabrecht. Mm-hmm. Like when it comes to defending, he's he's a leg passer. He'll find, but like it works for him. Um, you know, he's got a little bit of offense on his feet, but I'm very curious to kind of see like, you know, a guy like Artelona who that guy's going to come in and is going to score some points. He's done this before at this level. Um, you know, how does Kobe handle that? Like, how does how does Artelona handle guys who you know? How does he handle leg passers? Let's phrase it that way. I mean, yeah, he's his offense is not quite like Zaf. Like we talked about, Zaf is a goer goer. He's kind of the opposite. Artelona likes to pick his pick his uh, shots a little more selectively, a little more defensive minded. Um, but like I said, in that overtime last week at Keystone, if you ever go back and watch it, you know it's. Pappas had his leg up in the air. I thought Artelona was going to lose. And he just rolled – I forget the situation. Rolled out of it, scrambled out of it or whatever. Um, ended up winning in overtime because of that. So I've seen him scramble. I've seen him throw guys, throw headlocks. You know, it's kind of – you don't know what you're going to get. You know, Artelona's like a box of chocolates, like that saying, you know, Forrest Gump saying. You don't know what you're going to get with him. But, you know, he's up for the – he's up for the – he's up for the match. I think it'll be a good one, like you said. Um, could see some scrambling, could see a big throw, and yeah, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, Artelona is one of those guys. You just gotta, you gotta kind of be ready for everything with him. Could be one of those matches where like they scramble and they roll and they go through all these different positions and like no points are scored, or like yeah. one of them will catch the other and then boom, it's six zero in a blink, and it's yes. like okay, yeah. now we're going. Yeah, and then you know it might come back where the other guy catches the other guy. It might be six six or eight six, something like that. You know, so. Yeah, I'm excited for this match. It could be 1-1 going to third, or it could be 8-8. You know, it's one of those flip a coin, we'll see what happens kind of matches. Absolutely. And then when taking them together, this kind of leads into the last thing I wanted to ask you about. Taking them together, um, you know, assuming we start at 25, that stretch, that 49-57 stretch, I know that's the end of the first half, but, like, that could be pretty big for for the part of the duel because you assume Penn's probably going to win 25. Um, They're favored at 33. We'll call 41 a toss-up. You know, if if Iowa can take those two, Hawkeyes probably feel pretty good. Um, you know, assuming they start at 25 again, you'd have Patrick Kennedy coming out of halftime immediately. Um, but if Penn takes those two, probably a funny feeling in the Hawkeye locker room at half, right? Like, especially if you just, you know, assume they take 25 and then if they're able to, you know, obviously take 33. Like, not saying that they'll take all five to start the duel, but it's not unreasonable to think, right? Like, especially if they show up on their A game. Yeah, I mean – if best case scenario for Penn would be to win those first five matchups, right? And, um, you know, maybe bonus points at 25 from Ryan Miller, who's very capable of doing that. Um, yeah, it would definitely be an interesting feeling in the locker in both locker rooms, I'd say, you know, more so in Iowa. It's like, Hey, we got to get our ass in gear now. You know, we got to start getting bonus points here. Kennedy, you're up, you know, next man up. And, but again, Ravano top 20 guy in the country, um, tough opponent. I think, Obviously, um, Kennedy's going to be favored in that one, but Ravano, he likes overtime matches, man. He likes to keep things low scoring, um, five and four in the year, but no, all his matches are super, super close overtime matches. I think, you know, I don't think Ravano's going to win that one, but if he holds that to a decision, I think, and Penn takes the first five best case scenario, you know, I think there's a different conversation here and on, on Monday. 
Yeah, no doubt. And you look at, you know, the guys he's lost to close this year, you know, Tony Negron from Arizona State. He went to overtime with Connor Brady. Um, you know, traded wins and losses with Hunter Mays of Ryder, who, you yeah. know, probably probably right there on the NCAA bubble, at least right now during the season. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, like there's there's a lot of intrigue around this duel. Um, you know, not just because Iowa maybe doesn't have the fully loaded lineup, but also because Penn, like as a program, they're on their way up. And it'll be a kind of a fun little showcase, um, you know, for Iowa's depth, but then also like, hey, Penn, like where are you at? You're coming to Big Ten country. Like, you know, if they wrestle hard, you know, even in a losing effort, if they continue to wrestle hard, like we probably know they will, you know, they'll gain a lot of respect and, and some fans out of Iowa City, um, which I think is always kind of a cool thing when, when you know, the Iowa City fans, as rabid and as passionate as they are, acknowledge when the other guys do some really cool things. Um, so there's it fun duel coming up this this Saturday. I'm excited for it. Yeah, and just another thing with Penn too. Um, I think they have like three or four big boarders committed next year already. Um, you know, recruiting wise. So if they go out to Iowa and put on a show, more, you know, I think that'll help recruiting and their marketability as well. It's like, hey, their Ivy League, Ivy League wrestling used to not be a thing, but hey, it's here now. It's here to stay. You know, between Penn, Cornell, um, you know, Princeton, obviously too. Columbia, Harvard, Brown, they just got a new coach. So they're all kind of on the rise here. So it's it'll be a good look for Penn and then Ivy Leagues, you know, across the board as well. I think good opportunity for Penn. 100%. Last question I got before we let you go. What's the score? What's your prediction? I think Penn's going to win five matches. Woo! So I'll give them 16, but I think Penn in the upper weights might just have to – might be a little more. So I'll say like 18 – 16, 18, 15, something like that, Iowa. But I think Penn can make it interesting here. The best part about doing these podcasts on YouTube now is that people can see your Penn shirt. And yes. so they'll be like, oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's a homer, right? <laughs> I, I got to be, though. You know, they're the underdogs. I got I to gotta, I gotta back my team up here. So, yeah, I mean, they could, like I said, they could win five or six. They could win one or two matches. You know, it, it depends on the crowd and the environment, you know, everything going leading up to the match, obviously, right? But best case scenario, I, I think they could win six matches here. I think they could they could squeak it out for sure. Yeah, I think I think there's a path for for Penn to pull the ultimate upset here. Um, I'm not sure that they do. I think this duel is something like 27-13 Iowa written all over it. Um, yeah. You know, I think we're at 49 and 57, but, um, you know, really curious to see how 33 goes. Also kind of curious about 41. Like, I know we didn't really dive into that match too much, but, you know, that's an important match within the context of the first half of the duel. If, you know, assuming, again, we start at 25, um, you know, and then obviously, you know, some ranked matchups at, at heavy in 97. Um, just going to be kind of interesting to see how Warner and Cassiope respond after taking losses on Tuesday. Um, yeah, you've got uh, you, you've got Iowa winning. I've got Iowa winning. Separate scores. Um, i got a little distance between the Hawks and the Quakers. You've got uh, Penn making this really, really interesting. Um yeah, man, that was. I really appreciate you coming on and having this conversation. Any final parting thoughts before we before we close off here? No, like I said, I think it'll be a good match. Um, you know, I hope Penn stays away from too much turkey. You know, I think I think they'll be locked and loaded, really, really focused on this match, especially after last weekend. Um, they got second at the Keystone Classic behind Virginia Tech, which is obviously a solid program. But you know, they hosted this event; they want to win that thing fill up a little short. Um, so I think that stick with them as well. And I just think they see the opportunity here. Um, Coach Reyna and, you know, Coach Hall and Coach Pearsall, Coach Fitrell, um, you know, they're all they're all high quality coaches. And, you know, I think they're going to talk them up and, 
you know, they're going to say, Hey, here's the opportunity, go take it. Um, see what, see what you guys are made of. I think they're going to challenge them. I think they're going to come out ready to score. I think it'll be a good match. Iowa Penn Saturday afternoon, 2 PM central time going to be on big 10 plus. Um, so if you don't have that, be sure to go and subscribe. I believe they have a wrestling only option, $70 for an entire year. Um, I'm subscribed. So maybe other people should as well. If not, um, obviously Austin and I will um, be providing various updates. Um, I'll be in the building. I'm not sure. Austin, you're going to make the trek all the way out here. You st- <laughs> I wish I could. Believe me. Yeah. But I don't think my wife would be happy just leaving her last minute with my five month old at home. So <laughs> I can choose my travel these days. <laughs> Big 10 plus for uh, Saturday's dual Iowa pen again, 2 PM central time guys. That's all we've got today. I appreciate you tuning in. Hopefully this YouTube thing goes well over the course of the wrestling season. We'll be back again next week, but in the meantime, uh, be sure to rate and review the show, Apple stitcher, Spotify, Google podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your shows, be sure to subscribe to the Boyne register on YouTube, follow your boy on Twitter at Cody Goodwin, and be sure to subscribe to the register to catch all my stories, mailbags, analysis, and videos. You can find links to do all of that as well as stories from this past week in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, you guys. Appreciate you coming out in Austin. We will talk to you guys again soon. Peace out, guys.